Nation. All right, what's happening? Welcome back into the Buffs Nation podcast. Uh, coming off another loss, but it was a tough-fought game. Buffs lose 34-31 against Arizona. We'll talk about that, break down next week's matchup, and go over some CU news as well. Ryan, producer Ryan, is out of studio today, but the Jared here with us. What's going on? Oh, doing all right, Tyler. You know, this was a tough one. This this was. It felt like the Buffs had this one. This was tough. Well, I mean, we talked about it last week. It was one of the games going in where we thought on paper the Buffs would certainly have a chance. And look, 34-31, not a bad game. That's one thing I keep going back to this season. Every game the Buffs have played, they've been in. I mean, except for the Oregon game. But take that out, and every single game is close. So that's a positive for me, at least. They're staying in these things. And it's not like last year. Remember last year, not only was CU the worst team in, in the Power Five, they had such a bad margin of victory or, or defeat that they like had doubled Northwestern, which was the second worst. So we're improving. The buffs are improving, but still you want to see them come away with these wins. It seems like almost you expect the loss. You're sort of waiting for the loss. They don't know how to win. And as a program, we're not used to seeing it. Yeah. And that's the way you just said, they don't know how to win. It was, it felt like they were finding a way to lose rather than finding a way to win this game. So many different things that happened down the stretch, but I, I want to really quickly, uh, touch on something I saw on Twitter or X or whatever we're calling it these mm. days. Uh, this is from CU Buff Stats. And this, I feel like, really identified me and how I feel about this team. It says, this is the tweet. It says, is this team markedly better than last year's 1-11? Absolutely. Yeah. Can the fans be upset because coaching and lack of discipline blew chances at wins? Absolutely. Right. You can be happy with the progress and upset with the performance. You can do both. No, I, I agree with that, but we all have to understand the the uh, perspective and where we should be right now compared to where we thought we would be. And it's all a different story. Look, the Buffs started the season, what was it, 3-0? and The Buffs started off, uh, they were a top 25 team, and then lost to Oregon, lost to USC, winning against Arizona State. We said this last week. Everyone kind of got on the bandwagon and, and thought this team was a lot better than they were. But let, let, let's pretend that didn't happen, okay? Let's pretend the Buffs maybe lose to TCU. Maybe they don't come back against you know CSU. But it's still the same point in the season, and the Buffs are four and, and uh, six, right? Let's say they beat, I don't know, UCLA and Arizona, but lost to TCU, Colorado State. Are we saying the same thing if we're coming off a win against Arizona and we're still four and six? So my whole point is I understand that expectations are what they were with Dion, but maybe they were overblown and maybe we need to, need to just take a breath and understand this is a team on the on the, you know, they're improving. They needed a season to kind of get through this. It was good for everyone. It was good for Dion. It was good for the team. But expectations were not aligned with this team's talent after week three. Well, and when you look at the difference in the way this team is losing games versus the way last year's team was losing games, the, and I don't have these exact numbers in front of me, but I've seen different people put it out on social media that it's like it went from like 2022 average margin of loss was like 30 to 40 points, right? right? right. This year, it's it's in that 10, 12 point range. They're they're in close games. They're losing close games. And and I think again to to your point, Tyler, on expectations. We go back to uh, the beginning of the season. Something we touched on the beginning of the season. This was always going to be a major challenge to get to even six wins. It is one of the toughest schedules in the country. The Pac-12 is deep this year, week in and week out. You're playing a gauntlet, so. 
when you look at their schedule outside of Stanford, that's the game that you should have won that you didn't. Every other game that they've lost, they were an underdog in that game. They were not expected to win that game. See, that's so, my point. That that's a very that that's a very good point. I brought that up before. You're echoing it again. The idea that CU should be like, you know, an eight and two team or six and four, even it's like, what did we expect with this schedule, the Pac-12 this year? You know how many people I've heard say the Pac-12 is as good as the SEC this year? Now, maybe that's a little bit of hyperbole, but the point is, it's a discussion. This team has had one of the toughest schedules in college football. For them to be four and six in every game, I actually think it's a positive, and they almost beat a very good Arizona team last week. So, some stats from that game. Uh, total yards, Arizona outgained the Buffs 421 to 340. In the air, Colorado had more yards, 262 to 214 for Arizona, but on the ground once again, Different game, same story. Arizona, 207 yards on the ground. The Buffs had 77. Penalties, not improving. Arizona had eight. The Buffs had 11 penalties. So definitely they not they seem to come at the worst times, don't they? No e- kidding. E- every time, it seems like. Yeah. Uh, Noah Fafita and Sh- uh, Shadur Sanders, both quarterbacks, had exactly 35 pass attempts. Shadur, 22-35, two touchdowns. And their their quarterback, No Fita, twenty one of thirty five and two touchdowns. Like I said, real difference was on the ground, but uh, CU could not do enough to win, and they end up getting the three point, well, suffering a three point loss for the last home game of the season. And it goes by so fast, yeah, man. Every time, t- well, and it's like- early this year, right? Usually, you get a later game than this. In the last two weeks, being on the road, I mean, I'm sure it's happened, but it just seems so early, so sudden. It's too sudden, too sudden, too early, and I don't like it at all. So, um, and again, you mentioned this was a tough one, and and I alluded to it in the game. Like you just you felt like the Buffs had this one. I mean they 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 were never losing in this game until that game winning kick went through. I mean the Buffs were were tied or leading the entire game. It's tough to lose that way. And, well, look, they scored twenty four points in the first half, and the Buffs scored seven points in the second half. Again, when you score thirty one points and 24 of it comes in the first half, that's not good. I know Pat Shermer's doing a good job, and I know that the team's getting more and more used to him, but you got to produce more in the second half. You simply have to produce more. So Buffs lose 34-31 now are in a position to have to go on the road and win two games in a row to face bull eligibility. Now, before we move on, I did hear one thing today on the Dan Patrick Show. He was saying if there's ever a time for any school in history to get the green light with five wins, it would be CU. So if they could find a way to get to five wins, it would be up to the Pac-12 to first come in and say we allow that. But afterwards, they I'm could. curious as to what the logic was as to is just because they're a moneymaker. Well, listen, the logic is bowl games are all about money. No, have you ever noticed that some of these bowl games get like seven thousand fans or people in attendance? And you go. How do they make money? And it's all advertising and TV money and things like that. So um, that that's what would happen is all these bowl games are about yeah, money. Where, anyway. Wherever Prime you're, you're telling and, me and the, the ba- bus end up would be a major yes, headliner. The Bahamas Bowl? Like, does that matter? You send CU there against, I don't know, some Mountain West team or whatever? Bahamas will see a spike, that's for sure. Mm, maybe we can go, Jared. Well, Woo's Media send us out to Bahamas. Can, can we actually not do that? Because that is just not a reality <laughs> for me. I got Mexico planned in the spring. Right. There's no way we're sneaking a Bahamas trip in there, boys. Uh, and if we did a Woo's one, your wife would 
me too happy. You you sneaking away. Tonight. Yeah, we just don't have to tell her it's the Bahamas. <laughs> yeah, right. Until we're going to to Ames for a week. Yeah, she will have watch zero Iowa interest. State football. <laughs> All right, uh, let's get on to some CU football news. Before we move off this game, I did want to bring up one thing that I was very encouraged by in this game. I thought the offensive line looked so much better. There were only three sacks led in this game, and it's crazy to say only three sacks. None of them were, you know, instant guy on your face, right up the gut. All of, uh, for the most part. Okay. In this game, I felt like the offensive line held up well. I want to be careful. I want to be careful. I feel like what happened was we had a student who's going to school getting Fs. Nothing but Fs, okay? And they come home with a C-. I don't think we should freak out and throw a party. The C- is an improvement, but that's probably where they should have been before, right? So let's not go overboard, but I agree, improvement... Mm, Shador needs more time. Now. Something, something to build off of for these last two games. That would be something that I think we could all feel really good about to see. And I know, I know, we're probably going to see some new faces on this offensive oh, so, line next year. You know year. what? Let's but, play a but, game. But Let's to play see, a game. to see a team making progress. That's what you want to see. A team on the stretch where they've been struggling, losing six out of seven. A team that's making progress in areas they've struggled in. Have you ever watched uh, Price Is Right? Sure. You good at it? I mean, probably not. Okay, let's 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 do uh, over under. How many players? So of the twenty two starters right now, okay. If you look at the twenty two starters from the majority of games this year, don't look at injuries, things like that. Twenty two starters, okay. Um, how many are back next year on both sides? Right. So Travis is going to be back. Well, assuming Travis, Shadur, and Shiloh, okay. Right. There's one, two, three, and four, pretty much, because Travis plays both ways. I'm going to say. Under 11 and a half. <laughs> wow. I'm going to say so, half of them will yeah, be new. That's crazy. I mean, I probably agree with you because the primarily offensive defensive lines have to improve. Uh, you know, I want to say this. The linebackers and secondary and receivers and running backs really haven't had a bad year. I mean, you look at the record, it doesn't reflect how they're playing. It's all about the O and D I lines. think you can look at the linebacking core and, and put, lump them into the category with the inability to stop the run. I think that's been a weak point for the Buses year, and especially two or three of the guys that they brought in that were, we really thought were going to be those thumpers, the Levanta Bentleys, you know, just mm, haven't Juwan, really yeah. quite uh, performed. Uh, Juju, yeah, yeah, I mean, he's had a lot of tackles when he's been in, but but I, I, so I would say certainly the secondary, the wide receivers, obviously Shadur, they have all performed really well. Obviously, losing some guys to graduation that'll impact you as well. So I would say half, half of their starters will be new next year. Ah, well, love that. I mean, I actually don't disagree with a whole lot there. So we'll we'll do some math. We'll see how you are next year, but. Uh... I think you're onto something there with the transfer portal, freshman coming in. I agree. So, all right, let's turn the page to some Colorado football news. A couple things to go over here. First off, we got to get this out of the way, folks. Coach Prime is going to come up in every major coaching article, discussion, whatever you want to call it. Okay, get used to it. I have talked to so many CU fans that are petrified that Coach Prime's going to leave for AM. Or even I heard Mississippi State today. Now, let me say my piece. This is just my opinion, okay? I believe that the way you should treat this is very similar to how you should treat a lot of things in life, right? You don't want to put your own 
happiness or emotions or how you act you know, upon anything on someone else's decision. Okay, So if Dion wants to leave, he's going to leave. If he wants to stay, he's going to stay. Here's the thing, Jared. This program was the worst Power 5 program in, power, in, in college football when he got here. In one year, Coach Prime has turned this from the worst laughingstock in, in Power 5 to an average team, maybe slightly below average, right? Like, like this team is now right there. Competitive. At least competitive. Hypothetically, if Coach Prime leaves this year, there's going to be a ton of CU fans who want to burn down the village, come after Coach Prime, get mad. You know what my mentality is going to be? Is to thank Coach Prime. Because from day one, I never thought he was going to be here for 10 years. I never thought he's going to finish his career. Now, if he does, there's not going to be a happier fan than me. If Coach Prime's here for 20 years and retires a buff, I'll be the first one in line to say thank you. I, I, I promise that. But I also want to be realistic. And I've talked about this before, Jared. I think my mindset here boils back to my radio days, okay? When I first got going in radio and I wanted to leave to go to iHeart and bigger things, move to Denver, they treated me like I was the devil. They treated me like I was abandoning them. It's like, what about my aspirations and my dreams? I didn't grow up in Greeley, Colorado. I happened to get a job up there. And so I'm now, I look at other people in other professions and I have empathy for them in those situations. And it's like, if Coach Prime wants to leave, he's making a decision for his family, for him, for his career. He's not thinking about me or anyone else. He didn't even know about the buffs. He'd never been to the stadium before. He'd never been to, I mean, did he say he'd never been to Colorado, something like that? He never played football in the snow. Look, there's a lot of things that are new to him here. Now, I love what he said. He said, when asked about AM, Coach Prime said, look, my family's here. My mail, I get my mail delivered here. My home is here. So I like what he's saying. But my whole entire point is, whether it's this year, next year, five years, don't be mad when people go for other opportunities. Be happy for what happened when they when they were here. Wish the best for them. Be a positive person. But hope that Coach Prime did enough to where another coach can come in, pick the pieces up, and keep on going. But I'm not, just to live in the moment, I'm not going to be so pissed off or mad or upset or, or anything. If he decides to leave this year, next year, in five years, I'm happy he decided to come here and let's say, let's enjoy it. Let's not be so worried about when's he going to leave? When's he going to leave? Is he going to leave? Is he going to, oh, I heard about he's, let's enjoy it. That's my thing with CU football and what he's doing right now. So what do you think about it? I, I echo everything you're saying, right? You, you had to understand that going into this, what, where this team was and where coach prime wants to be with his teams. Right. And, and hopefully that CU is that team that goes on that path. But what you also need to understand is the nature of college football. This is how college football works. There are tiers of jobs. And unfortunately, guys, CU ain't at the top right now. There was a time CU was at the top. Right now, it's not at the top. And if Coach Prime could get that anywhere closer to that in his tenure here, which I absolutely believe even in one year he has done – over a few years could really cement and maybe he does decide he can build off of that and make what he, Look, I what hope he so. is about what coach prime is about is exactly that it would not totally surprise me for him to do that but again it is the nature of college football tyler you touched on something too personal aspects get involved in this too 
He he, you know, grew up in Florida, I believe. Has a lot of ties there. Spent a lot of time in Dallas, I believe, before moving here. That's where he was living. Is in Texas. You know, a job like Texas A and M to be closer to home and to family and frankly, get the biggest contract anyone has ever received. I know it's not all about money, but let's be honest. We want to keep Coach Prime here long-term. Everybody start donating the yeah. way that donors at Texas yeah. A&M donate. They will pay 10 to $20 million a year for whatever coach they feel they need. They prove that with being willing to get rid of Jimbo Fisher with as much money left on that contract. It's something like 70 plus million they're paying him out. They've got all kinds of money. And here's the, here's what I would recommend CU fans do who are really... Because look, I talked to my mom about this. I've talked to other fans. People are worked up, right? Here's what I recommend you do. Because I think this helps looking at situations this way. Let's pretend Coach Prime wasn't at CU and instead he was at CSU or, Bo- or a Boise or something, right? Would any CU fan be saying... You know, Coach Prime should stay at Boise because he's built something good in one more year. Or, or would we be saying, why is Coach Prime at Boise? He should go to AM, right? So we're all Buffs fans. A lot of people who listen to this show have grown up Buffs fans, diehard Buffs fans. So it's hard. It's almost like a child. You look at them differently. You you give them breaks. You make excuses for them. So I get that it's not easy to do that exercise, but if you can put yourself in that position, and you can say, okay, let's pretend Boise got Coach Prime. Would any of you out there listening say, or would any of you out there have said, you know, Coach Prime should stay at Boise. He committed. He, the Broncos are good. He got a decent draft class. Who knows what he could do next year? Or would we all be saying, why didn't he take $11 million to be the highest paid coach, not only in college football, but the NFL too, and go to A&M or whatever, it'd be $15 million, whatever, to hit that mark. So, when it's not you, it suddenly changes the story. When it's Boise, oh, Boise. Well, look at Boise. Boise's nothing. You know what people thought about CU before? So do well, that as an experiment and think about what you would say. Some some other perspective, too, is you know one of the other top names I've heard being floated around is Dan Lanning, a guy who has a top 10 team right now, top 6 team right now in the country, one of the honestly dark excuse me, Jesus, if I could talk, dark horse <laughs> to uh, make it to the national championship game if they can find their way into the playoffs. So this is a, a, a big-time job at AM. It's going to happen, like you mentioned. UCLA is another one that there are rumors that they may not be moving forward with Chip Kelly. I was just trying to look it up here. I don't see anything official at that. But that's another one of those jobs that becomes available, and it's, it's LA. It's immediately a marquee job. You're going to hear the name float around there. Mm-hmm. And I'll give my two cents to say I don't think that there is – really much of a chance of Coach Prime leaving this year for a lot of factors. For one, he has not accomplished his goal here yet, and I believe he is the type of guy that wants to at least see that progress happening, and where this team is right now, I I, I don't think he's ready to move on from it. Uh, secondly, when you look at a lot of the guys he brought in, some of those guys are guys that are transfers, that wouldn't be able to then follow him, including, by the way, his son, Shador Sanders, would not be able to follow him. Both of his sons would not be able to follow him to his next destination. He's not going anywhere this year, I don't think. I don't see that happening this year. In the future, could it happen? Absolutely. Should we appreciate every second we have between now and then? Absolutely. Um, No, I agree, but uh, interesting. People are talking about it. It's coming up left and right. Definitely something that's going to be out there in the news. All right, uh, other news. Uh, on a possibly 
related note. This is potentially related. Did you see that five-star receiver Winston Watkins Jr. decommitted from Colorado? Now, he said he's keeping it open. See you still up there. To quote uh, Winston Watkins specifically, quote, This was a tough decision to make, but after long talks with my dad, I have decided to decommit from the University of Colorado and open up my recruitment. Colorado will still be one of my top schools, uh, said Watkins in a Instagram post. Quote, I didn't want to limit the opportunities I already have because when you're committed, some schools try to not talk to you. Uh, I have a lot of schools I want to make sure I'm still good with with them because I don't know if Prime will still be there when I get there. Okay, let me repeat that. I have a lot of schools I want to make sure I'm still good with because I don't know if Prime will still be there when I get there. Now, question. Is... Winston Watkins making this up? Is Winston Watkins fabricating? Is he is he speculating? Because here's one thing I know. When you have a five-star receiver, one of the top recruits in the country, and you're Deion Sanders, you're keeping constant communication with them. For those who don't know, I don't care if you're Deion or, or Nick Saban or some coach at, at Kent State. You're always communicating with your recruits. Even if they've committed, you don't stop. You keep on going. You keep the process. I can all but guarantee that Coach Prime and Watkins have talked at least once a week for the last however long they've been recruiting. Okay, This is a constant communication thing. So knowing that, why in the world would Winston Watkins come out and say, if he's not going to be there next year, I want my options open. The only thing that I can come to a conclusion with, just speculating, just speculating, is that somehow something got back to Watkins that said, you know what? It's not 100%. Because if you are going to be the coach of the Buffs next year, and you are certain, no doubt in your mind you're going to be here, wouldn't you want to make certain, make sure every every recruit you have knows that? So when the five-star top receiver in the country, or one of the top receivers in the country, comes out and says, I don't know if he's going to be there when I get there, that to me says he has not, this is a first-hand source, right? You remember taking history in, in high school, right, Jerry? Yeah. You remember first-hand sources and second-hand sources? Yeah, you, I, I remember having to, to put Dude, all your uh, sources and everything. A first-hand oh. source would be, well, I guess this may, may not, well, look, maybe I need to brush up my sources here, but this is a good source. This is straight from the horse's mouth who's talking to Dion. I don't like this. So even if Coach is back next year, and look, like I said, I have the same mindset. If he leaves, he leaves. But these these breadcrumbs don't make me confident well, in the, the future. The, the tough thing too is is what's your you takeaway? What to, to believe with it because the the breadcrumbs start somewhere. Like you said, he's getting this information from somewhere. But here's what happens. Now he puts this out there. And then the next recruit sees it and goes, exactly. oh, oh, there's something there. And and then the wheels start spinning. The same so, thing happens for positive. When it, one person signs, then someone else signs, they sign. When you decommit, so that's going to start happening. This, I believe, and I don't know exactly the timeline, I believe this Instagram post was prior to Dion going uh, on his press conference and saying he's committed, he's staying, his family's here. But why everything. does it take a press conference? They should be texting. He, sure, Dion sure, should but, be but, texting But if him. he's, you know... 
these kids, let's be honest, with these coaches, they're lying to them left and right, you know? They're promising every kid that they recruit that they're going to be a starter, that they're going to be the guy, that the, the, you're the key to this team. You know, even though they know, look at look at what Nick, Nick Saban's doing, right? He's stacking four and five star guys knowing they're never going to see the field. You think he's telling this guy, you're never going to see the field? So I think these kids are used to being in a world where these coaches are, are telling them what they want to hear. And so if he's hearing from outside sources, that is... And and this again, pure speculation. We we have no direct insight to where he is getting this information from, but that would be my counter to that is is to say maybe these are the outside sources he's hearing it from, and he's not necessarily believing what Coach Prime is telling him that he is staying. If you want to bet these games or other college football games, check out BetterEdge.com. That's B-E-T-T-O-R, like sports, BetterEdge.com. BetterEdge has gotten rid of the risk, a.k.a. gotten rid of the VIG. You know that pesky minus 110 that we all have to pay for every bet we make? That doesn't exist with BetterEdge. Now, they get around this because they're actually technically a social media platform where you can legally sports bet. It's so cool what they've done. They've gotten rid of all that unnecessary risk and tax so the average sports fan can have fun betting sports check out betteredge.com put in promo code buffs for a free 20 bucks seriously you don't even have to put in a dime you sign up use promo code buffs they'll give you a free 20 bucks to see how you like betting vig free that's betteredge.com promo code buffs all right well either way shall we turn the page get to washington state next week colorado going on the road to wazoo this is a friday night game 8 30 p.m kickoff on FS1. Hopefully <laughs> the last 8.30 kickoff we have to deal uh, with. Another, well, I mean, there's only two games. Well, No, uh, I mean, moving bowl, forward, so. though, moving into mm. the Big 12, mm. that should be a much, much, much less frequent situation. Yeah, very good point. Uh, overall, here's the thing with Washington State. Washington State is a very, very similar team to Colorado. This will come up today in the preview. Washington State started 4-0. They were ranked as high as 16th in the AP polls, and since then, since the 4-0 start, they have dropped six in a row. They are 4-6 and six overall. Also, similar to Colorado, they have a very, very good quarterback, Cam Ward, who is playing amazing despite his team uh, losing. And this year, he's got 3,100 yards, 20 touchdowns, and five picks. But let's start off this, uh, handy, or this uh, preview with Colorado's offense against Washington State's defense. Uh... Interesting. This is where Colorado will find their avenue to succeed. Okay, There are major deficiencies in this Wazoo defense. They are 81st in the nation in rushing yards allowed per game, but even worse, 108th in passing yards allowed per game. Okay, Again, 81st in the country in rushing yards allowed. 108th in pass yards allowed. This is not a good defense, and they've allowed big chunks of yards to you know teams like Cal, Stanford, Arizona State, all of which have worse offenses, at least passing, than the Buffs do. So I think that I think CU has a real opportunity to you know get back on track offensively. And I know I said that last week, but really score 30, 40 points and get a game to put in your pocket and say, okay, this is what we can expect from this Colorado offense. So um, look for these receivers to finally you know find some space. Look for these running backs to 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 get going, and most importantly, the offensive line. Okay, we have an opportunity where the O-line can have a game where we can take even more positives away than we have lately, right? So I think it's a good matchup, this defense against what we do. They don't do anything well on defense. So I think Shadour and this passing attack should find some ground. 
Yeah, this is one of the first matchups of late uh, for this offensive line where they're not going up against a really strong front. This is not a team that gets after the quarterback really that well. Only 17 sacks on the year, so Mm -hmm. less than two sacks a game that they're averaging. So it is an opportunity against uh, a front that, frankly, as you mentioned in some of those stats – Pretty much whatever anyone's tried to do against him, they've been successful at. So hopefully this gives you a sort of that confidence-building game going into that last one of the year that you can really look good and look strong. Build off of what you saw from this O-line last week. Take that C-plus and let's make it a an A or a B this week, huh? I mean, A or B? Maybe lofty, but yes. <laughs> let's get an A-plus offense there this week. Look, um, overall, I just think that it is a good matchup. When you look at Washington State on defense, they have not had a great year. They have had trouble stopping the pass. And to compare, the Buffs are ninth in the country in passing yards per game. Now, the Buffs are still 131st in rush yards per game, but they are getting better on the ground, it seems. You know, uh, a wise man once said, if you ain't first, you're last. <laughs> so if, if you're not going to be first in, in rushing yards per game, you might as well be last, right? Did you see one of the NASCAR drivers bought Ricky Bobby's house or like oh, the wow. house on the movie or something? Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> that's hysterical. Um, but anyway, um, I read several articles saying that the offense is getting used to Pat Shermer and they're settling in with him. So honestly, man, I, I think this offense and this offensive line are doing better, and it's a positive. This could be an opportunity for them to kind of show that they what they can do on this level and keep Shador clean. But overall, that's where they're going to find some, some success, I believe, in the passing game. Now, some players to watch defensively for the, uh, the uh, uh, Cougars. Uh, number 80, 8-0, Brennan Jackson leads the team in sacks with 6.5. Kyle Thompson, number 52, Leads the team in tackles with 76. And honestly, not that many great secondary players. They have a lot of people who contribute, but don't do a ton on the secondary. So uh, that does it for CU's offense against their defense. Jared, anything to add before we uh, move on? Uh, no, I think you touched on, on a lot of it. You know, again, I, I keep harping on the running game. And I, it's, again, just something I'd love to see some balance get going with this this offense and play a full game it's been a long time since this offense played a good full game all right let's move on to colorado's defense against wazoo's offense this is going to be a very imperative matchup here so let's talk about it to begin the year right at the beginning of the season everyone was buying stock in cam ward now cam ward is the quarterback for washington state he's a very good quarterback he's elite he's he's fast he's accurate and what happened is, as Wazoo kind of fell off this year, so did the Cam Ward hype. But I'm telling you what, he's still a very, very talented quarterback. And I have question marks about this Buffs defense against mobile quarterbacks. Jared, we've talked about it a little bit this year. They haven't done the best in these matchups where you got to contain and cover the quarterback. Yeah, they they have good, you know, defensive backs, as we've talked about, guys that stay in good in coverage. But when when you're, you know... Not getting after the quarterback, and he has time to move around with that in that pocket. Things break down, and whether we're talking the quarterback running with it or honestly more often where they're getting out of the pocket, moving around, and then making the play, throwing the ball after they've been in the pocket for a long time. So it is concerning. And, you know, when you look at his stats, it's it's tough. To it's deceiving because he's not running for a very good per yard average. But when you factor in that he's been sacked 31 right, right. times, which is a third of those carries, it really does skew that. So he is he's a guy that wants to throw the ball first. Let, let's not look at stats. Let's look at the the scheme we can be dealing with. And the scheme is he's going to try and scramble when the play breaks down. Yes, that's what the Buffs have to watch for. But he's a guy that wants to throw first and runs as as necessary from there. 
You know what's funny is both these teams, or Washington State and Oregon State, who we played a couple weeks ago, Oregon State's quarterback, DJ, would not run, right? He didn't. He would sit back there and he wanted to throw the football. This game, Cam Ward will run. So I don't know. Look, I don't know enough about the X's and O's to say you need a spy, you need whatever. But whatever the Buffs have to do to contain is imperative this game. You can't let Ward run crazy. Um, he leads the team in carries, and he's second in yards. So as Jared said, very effective. But we're talking about overall, if you if you take their quarterback out, a very, very bad rush offense in Washington State. Okay, Did you know that Washington State has the... Let, let me put it this way. There are only two teams in football who have a worse rush offense than the Buffs. One of them is Wazoo. They're 131st in the country. Colorado is. In rushing, Wazoo, 132nd. I mean, whew, this team is very much like the Buffs. They are very good passing. They can't run. Started off hot, gotten cold. I, I'm telling you what, this is a carbon copy of CU, which is why the lines dropped from 6 to 4. I mean, people see this thing being closer than, than, than which really as you're, you're starting to enter the territory where at a neutral field, that would be a pick em. I think It would be very four, close. Four to and a half probably, or four is probably a little much for the home field advantage, right. but, but it's, it's creeping down to that territory. And, and I, I do, I really look at these two teams as equal, you know, equal matches in, in their sort of, when you look quarterback to quarterback, well, very kind of neck the, and neck. Their there. mirrors the way the teams line up, but the matchup here gives this Buffs defense an opportunity to do something they haven't done in a while. Focus on a 1D offense, right? Colorado, Jared mentioned earlier, has had one of the most difficult schedules all year long. I mean, you look at, I mean, TCU, Nebraska, Colorado State, which, by the way, did you know Colorado State has the 11th best passing offense in the country? Did not know that. Tory Horton, their uh, uh, receiver, is ranked the 15th best receiver on PFF College. I mean, CSU has a good offense, okay? My point here is, though, look at this schedule. Look at what they've dealt with. And, you know, it's it's not fair to necessarily say, oh, well, you know what? Look, look, they, they haven't played anybody. So that matters. You line up the, these opponents who they played, that well, matters. And particularly the last few weeks for this defense, it feels like this defense is is growing and building upon each game. You know, they're, they're letting up, let's see, only once in the last three weeks have they allowed over 30 points. You know, it's but been my, a but my different, point is, different team. My point is, even going back from last week, Arizona, Oregon State, UCLA, Stanford, what team in our schedule has been so hyper one-dimensional going into the game. That's my point. Yeah. The Buffs haven't faced this yet. So from a schematic point of view, it's like, okay, if they run the ball 35 times for five yards of carry, so be it. They can win the game. We're fine with that. The Buffs have to stop the pass, make sure War doesn't scramble. I guess what I'm saying is the game plan is so much more simplified. So if that's the case, we should expect a better production from this defense. That's what I'm excited. And, and, and a good matchup. The, the, again, the strengths of the Wazoo offense plays into the strengths of the Buffs defense with their, their coverage corners and safeties. Now, before we finish this up, let's talk wide receiver talent for the Buffs, okay? Because this is really interesting to me. Before the year, we looked at Xavier Weaver, Jimmy Horn, and we thought, we got some guys. We got some dogs. And I'm not so sure... That's the case at this point in the year. Now, we've got to be aware of something, okay? I think that the lack of offensive line play makes everybody worse. I'm talking Shador, 
running backs, receivers, I get that. But when I look at Pro Football Focus College, I think PFF College is really unique because what they do is they grade college players with the same same frame they grade NFL players with. And what that means is they isolate. They, they make players individual, right? So when you grade a receiver, which was what I'm going to talk about, PFF, Pro Football Focus, grades things like getting off the line, separation, true speed, catching ability, things like this, right? If, if PFF... Let's say this. It, 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 the way profile focus, it, the way PFF works, if a quarterback throws a ball to a receiver, the ball bounces out of the receiver's hands into the safety's hands for an interception pick six, advanced analytics say we downgrade the receiver, we don't really upgrade the secondary because it bounced into his lap, and we don't really downgrade the quarterback because it should have been a completion. Okay, That's why advanced analytics are so great. You just look at ESPN... All that looks like is an interception. The quarterback gets blamed through normal stat, through like normal stats, right? So that's why I love these advanced stats. It tells a different picture, but it doesn't tell a great picture for Colorado's receiving talent. Okay, all of the the receivers in Colorado, including including Travis Hunter, have graded outside the top two hundred. Remember, I mentioned uh, Tory Horton. I think his name is for CSU, yep. grading top 15? fifteen. So I wonder when you really boil it down to an individual you know, per play basis, does this team have the talent we thought we had going into the year? I'm not so sure that's the case. Now, here's a case for, yes, we do. The case is, even though PFF grades on an individual basis, how the hell can you do your job when the offensive line is not letting anyone do their job, right? So it's a trickle effect. And I'm willing to say, if the offensive line upgrades pretty substantially, that Jimmy Horn next year will have a massive bounce-back, quote, bounce-back season. 900 yards, couple touchdowns. Now, that's that's predicated on a lot of other stuff. But my point is the ceiling for this team is so much about the offensive line. So I think we have to be careful looking at all these stats, advanced stats, because the O-line can ruin a lot when they don't play well. And, I mean, I do think you need to look at kind of both sides of the coins with that. And I think most uh, smart football people will tell you that advanced analytics are great, but there are certain areas and aspects where the the, the sort of human aspect comes into play that it's 100%. hard to quantify with, with analytics. So, yes, certain of the things there factor in. Um, I think when you look at some of the high points for these receivers this year, uh, I think early on in a few games, Jimmy Horn had some big performances where you saw how electric he can be with the ball in his hands. Uh, I actually think Xavier Weaver, throughout the whole season, has been solid. He's a guy that I think the NFL will give a look to. Maybe he doesn't get drafted or maybe it's a late draft, but I think someone will give him a chance. He's made plays. He's a big body guy. So I I, I think when you look at this roster compared to the group of receivers last year, it, it feels to me like it's a group, a more talented group that maybe hasn't performed up to what they're capable That's of. That's kind of what I think, but it's all based on the O-line. Give him more time. Give Shador more time. If Shador could sit back there and pick, off, pick away, he'd be number one in the country, and these receivers look a lot better. I think when you look at the strengths and weaknesses as well of Shador Sanders is he may not be the guy that's getting the ball out of his hand very quickly, but he is great at dissecting a defense when he has the time to do that. I don't love that, though. Can I be honest? I don't love how much... He holds the ball. And I said this, Jared. And you know what? We had listeners reach out and and call me names. <laughs> you know, when I said Shador doesn't get rid of the ball quickly, you don't know what you're talking about. You know, 
Well, guess what's freaking happening? Is he snaps and he hangs onto the football. Now, there's a lot of reasons why that may be happening. Okay, Maybe these receivers aren't getting separation. Maybe it's play design. I don't care what it is. It's not good. When, when you have a battle line, it's not a good scheme. Right at, at a certain point, you have to adjust that. If you own a business or know anyone who owns a business, consider using freelance work to get great jobs done and save money today. Now, what is freelance work? Freelancers are self-employed experts that you can utilize without having to go through the dragging process of dealing with a business. If you want something done like graphic design professional, uh, professionally and affordably, Fiverr is the perfect place to check out. Other common things that freelancers are used for, technology, marketing, website design, you can find a personal tutor on fiverr.com you can find a musician to help music for or help write music for your project on fiverr.com you can find almost anything you need professionally and affordably on fiverr.com click the link in the show notes to save on your first freelance experience that's fiverr.com click the link in the show notes to save uh, shall we get to my keys to the game, Jared? Let's shall we do it? All right, every week I come up with my three most important keys to the game for the Buffs to get the win. Let's start off with a rare one. Haven't gone this a lot this year. Defense, okay? I think the defense needs to come alive this game. If the defense can actually put together 60 minutes, I don't think Wazoo can make it very tough on them. And I don't want to be over the top, but I really believe it's a good matchup if this defensive line can play well, or especially front seven can play well. Again, Washington State is the second worst rushing team in the country. The Buffs can kind of focus on the pass and focus on getting to the quarterback and run a specific type of defense they haven't been able to all season. So I look to the defense to have a big game Really maybe surprise us. How many games this year has the defense won? Or at least kept us in? Not many. No, Not many. I, I look at, you know, the Arizona State game is probably about the one. Maybe where, Oregon State 2619, sure, sure. but still, it's few and, and far between. And and, and that's where I, I'll say, I I don't think it needs to go so far as to say the defense needs to win the game. The defense needs to not lose the game. If they can keep them under 30 points, if they can keep this Washington State offense under 30 points... I think you win this game. I, I think that's what it will take to win this game. Uh, key number two, the Buffs have to sustain drives. Okay, interesting stat here. I went back and looked at the last four games. Arizona, Oregon State, UCLA, Stanford. By the way, that, that, that makes up a third of the season. That's four out of 12 games. In those four games, did you realize the Buffs had only two drives of 10 plays or more? Now, I know double-digit drives shouldn't be some defining factor. I also understand that's not necessarily how the Buffs are meant to play, right? This is an up-tempo team. They want to go fast, and sometimes that means quick drives. And also, when you rely on passing so much, it's going to be more favorable for quick drives. But my point is, something needs to change. You can't just keep doing this and expect to win. You've lost 6-7. to seven. Something needs to change. So, Jared... I look for these sustained drives to not only milk the clock, but help this defense out, man. This defense needs more help. They can't spend so much time on the field. Look no further than the second half against Arizona. You know, it's three and out. You do get the one touchdown drive. Then it's three and out, three and out, three and out. I mean, there was no sustained drives in the second half. It felt like the Arizona offense was on the field the whole time and you were just holding on for dear life. So I know it's a weird key and I know it's not like classic for CU, but I think sustaining drives is going to be big this game. And then finally, my third key, 
contain Cam Ward. Everything could go perfect this game for the Buffs. But if you let Cam Ward have 120 on the ground and he's converting third and 14s into first downs from scrambling, that's where this game will be lost. Do not set yourself up for success with a third and long and let this quarterback do damage. Watch Cam Ward, contain him, make that a priority on defense, and the Buffs are going to have a good chance to win this game. And don't hit him after he throws the ball. All right, score picks. Let's get to our score picks, Jared. I always go first. I'm going to go 38-34. What do you think about that? High scoring. Buffs win this thing. And look, I'm picking the Buffs to win. I think that they're going to go on the road, get the win here. By the way, the line has dropped from Colorado plus six to Colorado plus four. Money coming in in Colorado. I think this is truly one of the teams that the Buffs match up well against. I got 38-34 Buffs. I like it similarly, but not quite as high. Like I said, I think that one of the keys for me is this defense playing well enough for the offense to be able to do enough. I like them keeping them under 30, so I like this game at 34-28 Buffs win. Love it. Ryan will be back next week. Producer Ryan will be back in house after hopefully a Buffs win. Only one more game this season after this game. So let's go Buffs. Let's get a big win. We'll talk to you next week right here on the Buffs Nation Podcast.